Act Five of Sir Harry Wildair by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One, A Room in Colonel Standard's House. Enter Colonel Standard and Captain Fireball. In short, brother, a man may talk till doomsday of sin, hell, and damnation. But your rhetoric will never convince a lady that there's anything of a devil in a handsome fellow with a fine coat. You must show the cloven foot, expose the brute as I have done. And though her virtue sleeps, her pride will surely take the alarm. Aye, but if you would let me cut off one of the rogue's ears before you sent him away... No, no. The fool has served my turn without the scandal of a public resentment. And the effect has shown that my design was right. I've touched her very heart. And she relents apace. Enter Lady Lurewell, running. Oh, my dear, save me! I'm frightened out of my life. Bludgeon fire, madam. Who dare touch you? Draws his sword and stands before her. Oh, sir, a ghost, a ghost! I have seen it twice. Nay, then, we soldiers have nothing to do with ghosts. Send for the parson. She's his sword. Tis fancy, my dear. Nothing but fancy. Oh, dear Colonel, I'll never lie alone again. I'm frightened to death. I saw it twice. Twice it stalked by my chamber door and with a hollow voice uttered a piteous groan. This is strange. Ghosts by daylight. Come, my dear, along with me. Don't shrink. We'll see to find this ghost. Excellent. Scene two. A street. Enter Sir Harry Wildair, Marquis, and Dicky. Dicky. Sir? Do you remember anything of a thousand pounds lent to my wife in Montpellier by a French gentleman? Oui, Monsieur Dicky. You remember the gentleman? He was one Marquis. Marquis, sir? I think, for my part, that all the men in France are Marquis. We met above a thousand Marquis. But the devil or one of them could lend a thousand pence, much less a thousand pound. Marble, que dites-vous, bougre le chien? Hold, sir. Pray answer me one question. What made you fly your country? My religion, monsieur. So, you fled for your religion out of France, and are a downright atheist in England. A very tender conscience, truly. Beggar, monsieur, my conscience be the very tender. He no suffer not his master to starve per thee. Come, sir, no ceremony. Refund. Refund? What is that refund? Pas les Francais, monsieur. No, sir. I tell you in plain English, return my money, or I'll lay you by the heels. Hmm. Beggar, there is the Angleman now. There is the law for me. De la. Écoute, monsieur, Sir Harry. Voyez ça. De France Marquis Scandela. My brother lend your wife the money, and here is my witness. Draws. Your evidence, sir, is very positive, and shall be examined. But this is no place to try the cause. We'll cross the park into the fields. You shall throw down the money between us, and the best title upon a fair hearing shall take it up. Allons. Oh, de tout mon coeur. Allons. 
Excellent. Scene three. A room in Colonel Standard's house. Enter Lady Lorwell and Parley. Pshaw! I'm such a frightful fool. Twas nothing but a fancy. Come, Parley, get me a pan and ink, I'll divert it. Sir Harry shall know what a wife he had, I'm resolved. Though he would not hear me speak, he'll read my letter, sure. Sits down to write. Within. Hold. Protect me. Polly, don't leave me. But I won't mind it. Hold. Defend me. Don't you hear a voice? I thought so, madam. It called hold. I will venture once more. Sits down to write. Disturb no more the quiet of the dead. Now tis plain I heard the words. Deliver us, madam, and forgive us our sins. What is it? Enter ghost. Lady Lurwell and Parley shriek and run to a corner of the stage. Behold the airy form of wronged Angelica. Forced from the shades below to vindicate her fame. Forbear, malicious woman, thus to load with scandalous reproach the grave of innocence. Repent, vain woman. Thy matrimonial vow is registered above, and all the breaches of that solemn faith are registered below. I'm sent to warn thee to repent. Forbear to wrong thy injured husband's bed. Disturb no more the quiet of the dead. Stalks off. Lady Lurwell swoons. Parley supports her. Help! 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 Enter Colonel Standard and Captain Fireball. Bless us. What? Fainting. What's the matter? Breeding. Breeding, sir. Oh, sir, we're frighted to death. Here has been the ghost again. Ghost? Why, you're mad, sure. What ghost? The ghost of Angelica, Sir Harry Wilder's wife. Angelica? Yes, sir. And here it preached to us the Lord knows what, and murdered my mistress with mere morals. Uh, good hearing, sir. Twill do her good. Take her in, Parley. Parley leads out Lady Lurwell. What can this mean, brother? The meaning's plain. There's a design of communication between your wife and Sir Harry, so his wife is come to forbid the bands, that's all. No, no, brother. If I may be induced to believe the walking of ghosts, I rather fancy that the rattle-headed fellow, her husband, has broke the poor lady's heart, which, together with the indignity of her burial, has made her uneasy in her grave. But whatever the cause, it's fit we immediately find out Sir Harry and inform him. Excellent. Scene 4. The Park. Lord Bellamy and others discovered walking about. Sir Harry Wildair and Marquis enter and pass hastily over the stage. Sir Harry! My lord! Monsieur, I'll follow you, sir. Exit Marquis. I must talk with you, sir. 
pray my lord let it be very short for i was never in more haste in my life may i presume sir to inquire the cause that detained you so late last night at my house more mischief again perhaps my lord i may not presume to inform you then perhaps sir i may presume to extort it from you look you my lord don't frown it spoils your face but if you must know your lady owes me two hundred guineas and that sum i will presume to extort from your lordship two hundred guineas have you anything to show for it <laughs> show for it my lord i showed quintin quatorz for it and to a man of honour that's as firm as a bond and judgment come sir this won't pass upon me i'm a man of honour honour <laughs> tis very strange that some men though their education be never so gallant will ne'er learn breeding look ye my lord when you and i were under the tuition of our governors and conversed only with old cicero livy virgil plutarch and the like why then such a man was a villain and such a one was a man of honour but now that i have known the court a little of what they call the beau monde and the bel esprit i find that honour looks as ridiculous as roman buskins upon your lordship or my full peruke upon scipio africanus why should you think so sir because the world's improved my lord and we find that this honour is a very troublesome and impertinent thing can't we live together like good neighbours and christians as they do in france i lend you my coach i borrow yours you dine with me i sup with you i lie with your wife and you lie with mine honour that's such an impertinence pray my lord hear me what does your honour think of murdering your friend's reputation making a jest of his misfortunes cheating him at cards debauching his bed or the like why rank villainy pish pish nothing but good manners excess of good manners why you haven't been at court lately that is the only practice to show our wit and breeding as for instance your friend reflects upon you when absent because tis good manners rallies you when present because tis witty cheats you at piquet to show he has been in france and lies with your wife to show he's a man of quality very well sir in short my lord you have a wrong notion of things should a man with a handsome wife revenge all affronts done to his honour poor white chaves morris locket paulet and pontac were utterly ruined how so sir because my lord he must run all the customers quite through the body were it not for abusing your men of honour taverns and chocolate houses could not subsist and were there but a round tax laid upon scandal and false politics we men of figure would find it much heavier than four shillings in the pound come come my lord no more on't for shame your honour is safe enough for i have the key of its back door in my pocket runs off sir i shall meet you another time exit scene five the fields enter marquis with a footman carrying his fighting equipage pumps caps etc 
He dresses himself accordingly and flourishes about the stage. Sa, 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 fie la tête. Sa, embrascade. Quoi sur le double? Hey! Enter Sir Harry Wilder. <laughs> the devil! Must I fight with a tumbler? These French are as great fops in their quarrels as in their amours. Allons, allons, strip, strip. No, no, sir. I never strip to engage a man. I fight as I dance. Come, sir, down with the money. There it is, parti. Lays down the bag between them. Allons. Enter Dicky and gives Sir Harry a gun. Morbleu, qu'est ça? Now, monsieur, if you offer to stir, I'll shoot you through the head. Dicky, take out the money and carry it home. Aside. Here it is, he faith. And if my master be killed, the money's my own. Takes up the bag and exit with footman. Oh, my bleu, the Anglian be one coward. <laughs> Where's your France politique now? Come, monsieur. You must know I scorn to fight any man for my own. But now we're upon the level, and since you have been at the trouble of putting on your habilements, I must requite your pains. So come on, sir. Lays down the gun and uses his sword. Come on? For what? When the money is gone, the Frenchman fight where there is no profit. Pardonnez-moi, pardi. Sits down to pull off his pumps. Hold. Hold, sir, you must fight. Tell me how you came by this picture. Starting up. Why then, beggar, monsieur chevalier, since the money be gone, me will speak the verite. Pardi, monsieur, me did make the cockle of you, and your wife sent me the picture for my pain. Look, you, sir, if I thought you had merit enough to gain a lady's heart from me, I would shake hands immediately and be friends. But as I believe you to be a vain, scandalous liar, I'll cut your throat. They fight. Enter Colonel Standard and Captain Fireball, who part them. Hold, hold, gentlemen. Brother, secure the Marquis. Come, Sir Harry, put up. I have something to say to you, very serious. Say it quickly, then, for I'm a little out of humour and want something to make me laugh. As they talk, Marquis dresses, and Captain Fireball helps him. Will what's very serious make you laugh? Most of all. Psha! Pray, Sir Harry, tell me what made you leave your wife. Ho, ho, ho! I knew it. Pray, Colonel, what makes you stay with your wife? Nay, but pray answer me directly. I beg it as a favour. Why then, Colonel, you must know we were a pair of the most happy, toying, foolish people in the world. Till she got, I don't know how, a crotchet of jealousy in her head. This made her frumpish. But we had ne'er an angry word. She only fell a-crying overnight, and I went for Italy the next morning. But pray, no more on't. Are you hurt, monsieur? But, Sir Harry, you'll be serious when I tell you that her ghost appears. Her ghost? Ha, ha, ha! That's pleasant faith. As sure as fate, it walks in my house. In your house? Come along, Colonel. By the lard, I'll kiss it. Exit with Colonel Standard. Monsieur le Capitaine, adieu. Adieu? No, sir. You shall follow Sir Harry. For what? 
For what? Why, do you think I'm such a rogue as to part a couple of gentlemen when they're fighting and not see them make an end on't? I think it's a sin to part man and wife. Come along, sir. Exit, pulling Marquis. Scene 6. A room in Colonel Standard's house. Enter Sir Harry Wildair and Colonel Standard. Well, then, this, it seems, is the enchanted chamber. The ghost has pitched upon a handsome apartment, however. Well, Colonel, when do you intend to begin? What, sir? To laugh at me. I know you design it. Ah, by all that's powerful, there it is. Enter Ghost, and walks across the stage. The devil it is. <clears throat> Blood, I speak to it. Vous, Mademoiselle Ghost, parlez-vous Francais? No. Hark you, Mrs. Ghost, will your ladyship be pleased to inform us who you are, that we may pay you the respect due to your quality? I am the spirit of thy departed wife. Are you, Faith? Why then, here's the body of thy living husband, and stand me if you dare. Runs to her and embraces her. Ha! Tis substance, I'm sure. But hold, Lady Ghost, stand off a little, and tell me in good earnest now, whether you are alive or dead. Throwing off her shroud. Alive, alive. Runs and throws her arm about his neck. And never lived so much as in this moment. What do you think of the ghost now, Colonel? She hangs upon him. Is it not a very loving ghost? Amazement. Aye. "'Tis amazement, truly. "'Look ye, madam, I hate to converse so familiarly with spirits. "'Pray keep your distance.' "'I am alive. Indeed I am.' "'I don't believe a word on't. "'Moving away. "'Sir Harry, you're more afraid now than before.' "'Aye, most men are more afraid of a living wife than a dead one.' "'Tis good manners to leave you together, however.' "'Exit. "'Tis unkind, my dear.' After so long and tedious an absence, to act the stranger so. I now shall die in earnest, and must forever vanish from your sight. <laughs> Weeping and going. Hold, hold, madam, don't be angry, my dear. You took me unprovided. Had you but sent me word of your coming, I had got three or four speeches out of Urunoko and the Morning Bride upon this occasion, that would have charmed your very heart. But we'll do as well as we can. I'll have the music from both houses. Paulette and Lockett shall contrive for our taste. We'll charm our ears with Abel's voice, feast our eyes with one another, and thus, with all our senses tuned to love, we'll hurl off our clothes, leap into bed, and there... Look, you madam, if I don't welcome you home with raptures more natural and more moving than all the plays in Christendom. I'll say no more. <laughs> as mad as ever. But ease my wonder first, and let me know the riddle of your death. Your unkind departure hence, and your avoiding me abroad, made me resolve, since I could not live with you, to die to all the world besides. I fancied that though it exceeded the force of love, yet the power of grief perhaps might change your humour and therefore had it given out that I died in France. My sickness at Montpellier, 
which indeed was next to death and the affront offered to the body of our ambassador's chaplain at paris conduced to have my burial private this deceived my retinue and by the assistance of my woman and your faithful servant i got into man's clothes came home into england and sent him to observe your motions abroad with orders not to undeceive you till your return here i met you in the quality of beau banter your busy brother under which disguise i have disappointed your design upon my lady lurewell and in the form of a ghost have revenged the scandal she this day threw upon me and have frightened her sufficiently from lying alone i did resolve to have frightened you likewise but you were too hard for me how weak how squeamish and how fearful are women when they want to be humoured and how extravagant how daring and how provoking when they get the impertinent maggot in their head but by what means my dear could you purchase this double disguise how came you by my letter to my brother by intercepting all your letters since i came home but for my ghostly contrivance good mrs parley moved by the justness of my cause and the bribe was my chief engineer enter captain fireball and marquis sir harry if you have a mind to fight it out there's your man if not i've discharged my trust oh monsieur won't you salute your mistress sir oh morbleu beggar me must run to some other country now for my religion oh what the french marquis i know him ay ay my dear you do know him and i can't be angry because tis the fashion for ladies to know everybody but methinks madam that picture now hang it considering twas my gift you might have kept it but no matter my neighbours shall pay for it picture my dear could you think i ever would part with that no of all my jewels this alone i kept cost was given by you shows the picture eh, wonderful and what's this pulling out the other picture hmm. they are very much alike so like that one might fairly pass for t'other monsieur marquis écoute you did lie vid my wife and she did give you de picture for your pain eh come sir add to your france politique a little of your native impudence and tell us plainly how you came by it beggar monsieur chevalier when this franceman can tell no more lie than very tell truth i was acquainted with the painter of that royal lady's picture and i give him ten pistoles for the copy and so me have the picture of all the beauty in london and by this politique me have the reputation to lie with them all when perhaps your pleasure never reached above a pit-mask in your life and beggar for that matter the nature of women a pit-mask is as good as the best the pleasure is nothing the glory is all a la mode de france struts out go thy ways for a true pattern of the vanity impertinence subtlety and ostentation of thy country look ye captain give me thy hand once i was a friend to france but henceforth i promise to sacrifice my fashions coaches wigs and vanity to horses arms and equipage 
and serve my king in propria persona to promote a vigorous war if there be occasion bravely said sir harry and if all the bow in the side boxes were of your mind we would send em back to la bay and boulogne and show em a new dance to the tune of harry the fifth re-enter colonel standard with lady lurwell dicky and parley oh colonel such discoveries sir i have heard all from your servant honest dicky has told me the whole story why then let dicky run for the fiddles immediately oh sir i knew what it would come to they're here already sir goes to the door and brings in musicians then colonel we'll have a new wedding and begin it with a dance strike up a dance now sir harry we have retrieved our wives yours from death and mine from the devil and they are at present very honest but how shall we keep them so by being good husbands sir and the great secret for keeping matters right in wedlock is never to quarrel with your wives for trifles for we are but babies at best and must have our playthings our longings our vapours our frights our monkeys our china our fashions our washes our patches our waters our tattle and impertinence therefore i say tis better to let a woman play the fool than provoke her to play the devil and another rule gentlemen let me advise you to observe never to be jealous or if you should be sure never to let your wife think you suspect her for we are more restrained by the scandal of the lewdness than by the wickedness of the fact when once a woman has borne the shame of a whore she'll dispatch you the sin in a moment we're obliged to you ladies for your advice and in return give me leave to give you the definition of a good wife in the character of my own the wit of her conversation never outstrips the conduct of her behaviour she's affable to all men free with no man and only kind to me often cheerful sometimes gay and always pleased but when i am angry then sorry not sullen the park playhouse and cards she frequents in compliance with custom but her diversions of inclination are at home she's more cautious of a remarkable woman than of a noted wit well knowing that the infection of her own sex is more catching than the temptation of ours to all this she is beautiful to a wonder scorns all devices that engage a gallant and uses all arts to please her husband so spite of satire against a married life a man is truly blessed with such a wife excellent omnis epilogue by a friend spoken by monsieur le marquis bleu where is this damned poet there garzun me will cut off all his two ears je suis enrugé now he is not here he has a fond de french le vilain bête de french your best friend you suffer that parbleu monsieur a serré fort ingrate what have you english that you can call your own what have you of grand plaisir in this town without it come from france that will go down piquet basset 
your vine, your dress, your dance, tis all you see to a la mode de France. The bow there by a hunter knick-knack, he carry out wit, but seldom bring it back but then he bring a snuff-box hinge so small the joint you can no see the work at all cost him five pistoles that is cheap enough in three years it shall save half an ounce of snuff the coquette she have her taffia dear her gown her complexion the year her lover as for the cockerel that indeed you can make here the french it is that teach the lady wear the short muff with her white elbow bare the bow de large muff with his sleeve down there pointing to his fingers we teach your wife to ope their husband's purses to put their forbello on their coach and their horses garzun we teach you everything the val for why then your damn poet dare to snarl beggar me will be revenge upon his play three thousand refugees Say all come here and damn him upon his third day. End of Sir Harry Wildair by George Farquhar.